Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions, visit us on the web, www.theporchchurch.tv. That's such a powerful song. I don't know if you could put the pieces together, but obviously I was drawn to the story of Abraham and Isaac, right? I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open, nothing I hold on to. It's a tremendous story about faith and about trusting God when things don't make sense. And I just think that that piece, at least that resonated with me, maybe it resonated with you, right, is that we all have these, these mountains that we climb, these areas of our life that we're putting effort into, that we're trying to make right. Maybe we're trying to follow God in a certain direction. Maybe we're trying to get to some place in our life. And as we go along this process to where we're seeking and following after God, it's important that our arms, that our hearts, that our posture remains open, in essence saying, God, I'm on this journey for whatever you'll bring to me. I'm, I'm here because of whatever you'll provide for me, and I'm kind of setting aside my agenda in this pursuit of you. A really beautiful song, really beautiful story, and uh, this has nothing to do with my message, so... Um, this is just free, right? Your tithes don't go to this. This is just uh, <laughs> free. We are in uh, week six, I believe, of our series Foundations. We've been kind of looking at this one particular passage in Acts and using it really as a launching point to say these are some of the, the practices, the things that the early church to, devoted themselves to, and they kind of became a found, foundational practices for them. And we said not only does, is the church built on these actions and on these habits, but our lives lives can be as well. And like anything, a solid foundation is important to accomplish anything that would stand successfully at the end of that journey. So we've been looking at some key practices both within the church that we practiced as a church and then also uh, within our lives. And so today we're going to continue that theme and uh, let's just turn our attention to that scripture. It'll be up on the screen. Uh, We're going to look at Acts 2 verses 42 through 47. And here it is. They, this is the early church, the disciples and apostles, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need." Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we've laid the the foundation in these verses, right? We kind of started at the beginning and talking about some of those things that they devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching, right? We kind of said that's like our, our Bible. It's like the sermon. It's like this thing that we're doing where we devote ourselves to hearing from God and to prayer. We've talked about that. We talked about worship just last week. We've been talking about fellowship and food and how this normal, everyday, ordinary experience, right, of just eating and drinking together when we say this tiny little prayer, right, that we call grace, that we have the opportunity to kind of reorient our lives, not around the simple groceries that we shop for and prepare and cook, but that we actually have an opportunity to be grateful and thankful to God, and it can become this rhythm in our lives. That was two weeks ago, and then just last week we talked about how worship, how this praising God with glad and sincere hearts is really a response to all that God has given 
given to us, to all those places where God has been gracious and, and showered his love upon us. And so we respond simply with postures, with acts of adoration in response to him. And so today I want to kind of build off those same two messages, this, this opportunity, this, this action that we have to be grateful to God for all that he's given us, right? It's appropriate in this season as we kind of build up to Thanksgiving uh, that we take an opportunity to not just recognize that in our physical lives, which we do together around the table, and not even just in our relationships, but what's the role that this, that this thankfulness, that this grateful attitude, that recognizing that all we have is a gift from God, what does that create within us in a spiritual sense? How does that impact and encourage and affect our lives. And so we've been breaking this passage down into kind of the broad strokes, right? We said that they devoted themselves to certain actions and that there were responses and results in their devotion. And so we've kind of talked a lot about the actions that they took, and now we're a little bit more into some of the deeper responses and results. The, the greatest result that we see there is what we've been talking about and what we see in verse 46, that they responded with glad and sincere hearts, right? As they devoted themselves to the things of God, the, the, res, the result that happened in their life is that they had glad and sincere hearts. They were thankful. That created this attitude of, of graciousness, of thanksgiving, of, uh, of thankfulness for all that God had given them. And then we see their responses. So what do they do in response to this gracious God? Their response was worship, right? We talked about that last week, and they were sharing meals and opening their homes, and then there's kind of these verses right in the middle that goes something like this. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So apparently they were, they were so moved by this capacity, they were so impacted by all that God had given them when they surveyed it in a spiritual sense, in a physical sense, that they actually took their stuff and they leveraged what they own for the sake of God's kingdom. Instead of their possessions being for them, they became something that the church leveraged for the sake of others. So guess what? You picked that one magical Sunday a year, right? You knew when we read this passage that verse stepped out to you and you were like, it's coming, right? The money conversation is coming. Churches are all about money and it's coming in this one. And so you won the opposite of the lottery today. Congratulations. You're welcome. We are talking about generosity and giving I expected a bigger response than that. Not cheers, I guess, but yeah, some and thank you. Nobody's walking out, I guess, which is probably as good as I can, probably as good as I can hope. But here's what I want to say today, right? Generosity is the result of the gratefulness of being grateful to God. Generosity, this spirit of giving, this opportunity to take what is ours and to leverage it for others is a proper response, is a work of God in our lives. But we're also going to have a little bit of fun. So I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward and uh, we have a, a, a snack, a gift, whatever you want to call it. But this is lovingly known uh, in our family as Skittles Sunday. So that means that we all get Skittles to share this morning. Not quite communion, but hopefully you'll give me a little bit of grace there. So Usher's going to be passing along. Take a packet of Skittles. Help them out by uh, putting it back around on the edges so that they don't got to run like crazy people. Uh, when you get your Skittles, you're welcome to partake in them. Uh, you may enjoy the Skittles. But I'm also going to use this opportunity uh, to share a story, right? Because the question that you should be asking or maybe are asking is what in the world do Skittles have to 
to do with generosity? What do Skittles have to do with giving? And let me tell you, I am so glad that you are asking that question. So today I want to share a story that uh, is shared by a pastor out of Atlanta, Georgia named Kevin Myers, and it's a story that kind of actually happened to him, but as he tells the story and as I reflect in my life, it's one of those things that I think we can all relate to, right? Especially if you're a parent, uh, you're going to be able to relate within this story. Even if you're not a parent, uh, the major pieces are large enough that we can all understand them together. How are we doing with the Skittle distribution? Does everybody have what they need? We don't need to appoint elders to distribute Skittles among the group, do we? We're all, hey, church jokes, way to go. Some of you are paying attention. So here we go. Here's the story. My youngest son and I were going to the movies, right? It was a, it was a reward kind of trip. We were celebrating together. And so as you do when you go to the movies, you can't just go to the movies. You've got to buy a gallon of soda and you've gotta buy a popcorn bin big enough that at the time, he was five, he could have fit inside the popcorn bin. Of course, you've gotta get candy, and by the time I took out a second home mortgage, we were seated in our seats, ready to enjoy the show. It was an opportunity, again, just to spend some one-on-one time, and so we were partying it up, we were having fun, and as we're sitting there, the previews are just about over, and I happened to get Sour Patch Kids, my son happened to get Skittles, and just as the movie was starting, I reached over to grab some Skittles from my son. Now, you would have thought that I wasn't grabbing Skittles. You would have thought that there was a knife being jabbed through his leg. He let out the most blood-curdling scream, right? Parents, have you been there in public when a child lets out a scream? And the entire movie theater, the entire attention is all of a sudden zoomed in on to you. He let out a blood-curdling scream, and he said words that I'm sure you can guess. I'm sure you've heard them before. You might have even said them before, before you knew Jesus. But he said the words, no, mine. Any of you have a no, mine child? Maybe they're in that stage. And so as I reached over to grab some Skittles, he said, no, mine. Mine, again, he would have thought that I would have hurt him from the level and the decibel at which he shared this, but these two words became a tremendous opportunity to have not only a conversation with my son, but for my heavenly father to have a conversation with me, right? So if you're with me, go ahead and share some Skittles with your neighbor because you don't want to be the object of this story, I promise you. Um, but no, you don't have to do that. Maybe you already downed your Skittles, I don't know. But here's how the story goes. See, in the midst of this process, in the midst of enjoying his Skittles, in the midst of receiving the gift from his father, he forgot a few things along the way. He left out some principles. He kind of neglected some of the early things in the process. The first thing that my son forgot is he forgot who provided them. Amen, right? Like, he forgot that I'm the one who bought the Skittles. He was five at the time. There's no movie without me, right? There's no popcorn, there's no pop, there's no candy, there's no Skittles. As a matter of fact, there's not even a him without me, right? Like, he's not here. He forgot the provision that was given to him through my generosity and grace, right? We were here celebrating the the work that he'd done, what he'd achieved, and that was great and thankful, and I wanted to bless him. I wanted to give him a good gift. I take joy in providing for my children, right? Parents, are you with me? There's no other reason to be parents other than at some level you have joy in giving to something that takes everything from you, right? (laughs) Right? 
But in the midst of this story, he simply forgot. He forgot that I was the provider, that I had given them to him, that they were mine before they were his, and that without me, he would not have the very things that he had. As a matter of fact, it reminded me of a story. Melissa showed me something on Facebook that was like, uh, right, Christmas is coming up, and mom, dad, you never get me anything. And uh, a parent did this, which I just thought was brilliant. I'm going to steal this. And uh, right, you put a little gift wrap on the light switch, you put it on the water, right? Let's just have this conversation. But we do this, right? We, we forget where the provision comes from, right? Whether you're, whether you're the child, whether you're the adult, whether you're the parent, whether you can remember when you were young enough or whether you go to the place where we recognize our standing in relationship with this great, generous God who has provided and given us everything that we need in this Life, sometimes we, like my son, forget where the provision comes from. We forget that all that we have is his and that the fact that we own things is really somewhat of an illusion because ultimately God is our provider. He gives to us. He gives us the breath in our lungs, the vigor in our souls, the the house that we occupy, the speck of dirt that we're on that hurdles around our solar system without the love of God displayed in Jesus, then we miss out on everything. Without him, there is no us we could say. And so whether or not you buy into this idea, right, that it's my paycheck, it's my hard-earned cash, I'm the one who provides for this, that's my vacation, it's my house, it's mine, 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 let me just remind you, God's got enough real estate of his own. And this little slice of reality, when we say no, mine, what we sound like is a five-year-old in a movie theater. What we sound like is someone who is saying to his father, no, this is my kingdom right here, despite the fact that he's the one who provided it. My son forgot who provided for him, and all too often I make the same mistake. Second thing that he forgot, he forgot that his father didn't need them. I don't need his Skittles. I'm not a rich man, but if I want some Skittles, I'll be okay. Right? Like, I can take care of that. If I would like an additional piece of candy, I can handle that. I remember when I first started having a car and having a job and a bank account, and I had this dawn of realization of what freedom truly meant, which is I could go and get food whenever I wanted it, right? And I wasn't dependent on my parents providing anything and going, wow, this must be what adulthood is all about, which it it is, and then like 10 times worse. Um, Maybe you remember that story, right? But I don't need anything from my son. I don't need him in that moment. As a matter of fact, I provided them, so if I wanted to provide them, I could provide them for myself. Again, I'm not a rich person, but if I wanted two bags of Skittles, I could have two bags of Skittles. Scandalous, right? If I wanted to fill a bathtub full of Skittles and throw all the yellow ones away, I have the prerogative to do that, right? I don't need his Skittles. I've got plenty of access to Skittles on my own. I don't need what he has. See, sometimes we're afraid that God is after our hard-earned money, but God doesn't need what he's already provided for you. 
It's a gift. He's given it to you. You're blessed to receive it. He wants you to have it. He wants to provide it for you, and he doesn't need your Skittles. As a matter of fact, he's after something so much different in the same way that when I'm at the movie theater with my son, I'm not reaching over for Skittles. I'm enjoying the fruit of our relationship. I'm enjoying the opportunity to share and to spend time together. I'm not after his tiny little kingdom. I'm not after the Skittles that he possesses. I'm out enjoying some time together. When it comes to our relationship with God, too often our response is, no, mine, and we think that God is trying to steal this kingdom that we're building up. And the reality is that just like me with my five-year-olds, God's like, I don't need your Skittles. I don't need your stuff. What I want is your heart. What I want is this relationship with you where you trust me as your provider and where when I ask you to share, you willingly say yes. Not because of some weird dynamic that exists there, but because this is how people live and work together. God's not after your Skittles. He's after your heart. He's not after your house. He's not after your 401k. He's not after your vacation plans. But he is after spending eternity with you. He is after your heart and providing for you and giving you a loving space to enjoy his fellowship. The problem is when we say no, mine, when we scream bloody murder, when he reaches into our kingdom, is that it's indicative of our relationship with him. It points to the fact that we really don't trust him as the giver and the provider. We trust ourselves because this is mine, not yours. Go back to point one. He's provided for us, right? Psalm 50 says it the most clearly. God says through the psalmist, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. God's not after your Skittles. God is doing just fine. As a matter of fact, God is so rich that he's actually providing for you. His reason for asking for our Skittles is much different than perhaps our perception of it. My son forgot who provided for him, as we so often do. He forgot that I don't need his crummy little bag of Skittles. I've got plenty going on. The third thing that my son forgot, and this is a bit out there, but uh, if I wanted his Skittles, I could take them. I'm not a strong man, but I can take the five-year-old sitting next to me, right? Like, if I desire what he has, I can just take it because I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I have more facial hair, right? Like, I have these things working for me. I don't need what he has because I could provide them in and of themselves, but even beyond that, if I felt the need that what he had I wanted, he would have no recourse back against me. He simply can't fight back. Now, he could scream in a movie theater and get everybody's attention, right? That is well within his power. But the reality is that when it comes to God working in our lives, we forget that he's the provider ultimately, that he's not after the thing itself, but he's after a relationship with us. And then we forget that what God wants, God can take of his own volition. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's been around longer. We're a blip on the radar. And while that's not meant to create fear within us, it's meant to reveal his heart to us, right? If God wanted our finances, he could simply take them. 
He could simply require them. They could be a piece of just what this existence looks like. But the heart of God, the heart of God the Father, is a provider, one who needs nothing from you, and one who will not force his will upon you. He invites you into a relationship. He invites you to come into a place where you recognize his provision in your life and where we give back freely to him, not because of some requirement, not because of some arbitrary rule that exists, but because we recognize that out of the abundance that he's given to us, that we can give freely in accordance with how he leads and guides and instructs us to do. See, nobody wants to take candy from a baby. Like that's a saying, right? Like nobody is taking candy from a baby. And God is the same way. He's not going to take your stuff from us because he's after something different. And his behavior reveals his heart to us that what he's after is a relationship with you, a trusting relationship where you see him as provider to meet your needs. And then you give freely out of the abundance that he's poured into your Life. And that's really the final point from this story, this metaphor that we're walking through, is that my son forgot that he needed to give them to me voluntarily. He needed to own his peace in this process. Not because I need the Skittles, not because I require something from him, but his heart needs to be in a place where he recognizes me as his father, as his provider, as somebody who cares for him and has provided for him, and he needs to give back and share because that's what we do. Dad and son share. As a matter of fact, it warms my heart to him, right? When he shares with me, I am more inclined to buy him more Skittles. Right? Simple math here, parents. You know it. Halloween is just behind the corner. You know how this works. Dad text. Anybody with me? He needs to give them on his own, though, because what we're talking about is not Skittles. What we're talking about is a tenderness and a warmness of the heart. We're talking about an affection for our Father, for our Dad, for our Heavenly Provider. And when we don't give back, when we don't recognize God as Provider in our lives, what we end up doing is closing up our heart to Him. We start buying the lie that we're self-made individuals, that we've achieved all that we have on our own. And when we do that, our gratefulness shrivels. And when our gratefulness shrivels, there is no generosity. We only give for the tax write-off because generosity comes from recognizing all that's God provided in our life. And so we respond to it with our generosity, with our gratefulness, with our gracious hosting to God. See, by refusing to share his skittles, he communicates that the position of his heart in relationship to me is only for what I can provide for him, not for his obedience to be in relationship with me. He's forgotten to be grateful, to be thankful. And this is why this tiny little story of a simple child going, no, mine, is so indicative of something so much larger going on. And this is why we talked about food. Because it's easy to think that food is just transactional, that it's my paycheck, that it's my cooking, this is what I did, and instead we say grace. Maybe you teach your kids to say grace because we take a moment in this family to be thankful for what God has provided. It probably has something to do with why you're here, because we come together to worship because we believe, scary, (laughs) 
Because we believe that fundamentally that we're grateful for all that God has given us. And so we worship, we gather, we praise, we extol his name because we're mindful that God is working on our behalf in our midst. And yes, it is the reason why we are a generous people, why we give to those who are in need, why generosity becomes this thing that wells up inside of us. Because when we're so cognizant, we're so mindful of all the things that God has given to me, how can I not give to others? How can I not give back? How can I not introduce them into a God who so lovingly provides for me and he wants to provide for you too? And he's not after your Skittles. He's not after your stuff. He's not after those things. He's after your heart and a relationship with him that is not punctiliar but is eternal in nature. This is the heart of what generosity is all about. But too often we're just focused on our Skittles. We just want to keep what we've got. We want to keep the things that we've received. I heard a quote this week, and it's been messing with me all week. And in preparation for the holiday season, I just wanted to give it to you. But the quote is this, Thanksgiving creates abundance. Thanksgiving creates abundance. The quote isn't in reference to the holiday, but we'll get there. I think it fits in. When we have this, when we have this thankful, gracious gratitude within our hearts, when we're gracious for all that we've received from God, from life, from these things going around in us, then what it creates, what it fosters, what comes out of us is an abundance mentality. Because God is so richly provided, and so when we give, we don't give out of our smallness. We don't give out of the corner of our kingdom that we're trying to protect. We don't give out of a no, that's mine heartbeat. We give out of a, all I have is yours, God. You've been so gracious and blessed to me that that everything that you've given to me is all just yours. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, it doesn't matter. I'm so thankful for everything that I have that I can't help but be abundant in my relationship to God, to people around me, to the people and places where I am. Thanksgiving creates an abundance. Hence leftovers. That's free. Some of you will get that on the drive home, it's fine. (laughs) See, when we're grateful, we live grateful Lives. Thanksgiving, gratefulness, gratitude creates an abundance because we can give freely. This is the lesson from the early church is to point out these areas where we tend to go no mine and to instead leverage and to go, how does God want me to use what he's entrusted me with for the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of people, right? So let's go back into our scripture. I want to talk very generically about giving and your opportunity to be generous, right? Because the scripture says that people sold their possessions and gave to all who had need, which we can take a couple different ways, right? You got to remember they didn't have like bank accounts, most of them. They had things. They had chickens and goats and sheep and all those kinds of things. And so they actually liquidated the pieces of their life for the sake of someone who was without They took what they had and they distributed it to somebody who did not have. From all contexts of the verse, we can kind of infer that this probably meant people within the church, but there's huge historical context for what the church exists to do outside of itself. This is what belonging to a community of faith means. And before you misunderstand me, the real easy jump that we pastors like to make is, see, giving is important, now let's talk about giving to the church. 
which is important. I'm not going to lie about that, right? If you find this experience important, if this is meaningful for you, then the only way this place works is through your generosity and giving. Period. End of story. There's no, there's no background financial scheme going on here. That's just what it is. But the bigger piece of that is what we do together as a community to be able to foster exactly what we're talking about. That in our gratefulness to God, that we create an abundance, not just within this room, but within our community. We're going to celebrate this in a couple of weeks and just talk about the ways in which we make an impact in our world and in our community, right? Things like the Thanksgiving outreach, things like dollar car wash, things like opportunities to partner with As One and in Uganda, things like CCLC, our learning center environment. These are all opportunities that we take and give back. So when you give to your church, you give back to your community. That's a small piece of it. But more than focusing on just your financial givings at this institution, I want to challenge you to recognize what within yourself looks like a generosity mentality. How within yourself do you own that peace, that what I am to do is to be generous in light of all that God has given to me? And so what does generosity look like in my life? What are the ways in which I show all that God has given me? How am I thankful for it? Maybe it's paying for a coworker's lunch. Maybe it's that simple. Maybe it's buying something and bringing it to Thanksgiving outreach. That's a great opportunity. What are the opportunities that you have to be generous with your neighbor, the person across the street, the person that you run into in the grocery store, that acquaintance from work, the person that you heard about who's going through a really difficult time and maybe they just need a coffee and an ear and somebody to care about them. See, generosity is not primarily about money. It's not about our skittles. It's about the way in which we conduct ourselves in the world around us. And as Christ followers, as people who recognize that all we have been given is from God, we ought to be generous in our application and interactions with the world. Is that financial? Absolutely. Is it so much more than that? You better believe it. Right? This is why a core value for us as a church is that we give ourselves away. This is who God instructs us to be and what we're about doing. And so we intentionally want to give ourselves for the sake of others. Whether that's the person sitting next to you, whether it's the stranger on the street, we think that when we're fully following Jesus, it results in us being generous with the world around us. That we can be conduits for all that God has given to us and that we can, and that we can pour it out extravagantly on the world around us. So, final question here for us. What has God given you? If Thanksgiving creates abundance, then you have to start by recognizing what God has given you. What are you thankful for in this season? Do a little Thanksgiving homework. What are the pieces and places and opportunities where God has generously bestowed upon you? Maybe you need to repent for an area that you've said, no, mine, and instead you need to open yourself up to God's working in your heart and in your mind. There's a, a New Testament scripture that, again, is probably familiar to you when it comes to the, the offering process, right? We often quote this and say this, but I'd like you to think about it in a little bit broader capacity today as we close. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul gives some instructions to the early church about giving and about the heart of the giver. And while this absolutely applies to offering all those things, I want you to listen to it from the sake of generosity as a whole and as a lifestyle trait. Here's what 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, not because the sermon was good, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right, God, what God is after is a, is a position of our heart to be in relationship with him where we're so grateful that we give back to him, not just on Sunday, not just once a week, but in every significant relationship in our lives, in every area and every category, that we would be a generous people because after all, we've been given so much. We've been given life, we've been given hope, we've been given a future, we've been given a savior to trust in. And so our response to God is, whatever you want, it's yours. I'm going to encourage you to bow your heads with me. I want to give you a moment just to perhaps think or to percolate on whatever the Holy Spirit laid on your heart. Maybe it was something I said, maybe something else triggered within you about a way in which you need to be generous and giving and sharing. Whatever it is, I would just ask you to lean into that opportunity to listen fresh to the Holy Spirit and to let him speak to you of a generosity that comes from him. Maybe you need to be mindful of all that you have to be thankful for for him. Maybe you need to recognize the, the places in your life where you have an abundance and God is asking you, he's challenging you to give out of the abundance that he's given you. Whatever it is, our, our calling as Jesus followers is to be a generous people, is to leverage the things that we've been given for the sake of his kingdom and for the sake of others. And so Jesus, would you solidify this within our hearts? God, would you help us to see rightly within ourselves where we're just guarding our own little kingdom, God, where perhaps you've tapped us on the shoulder and our response has been, no, it's mine. God, I want to ask forgiveness and to repent of that and to say, God, everything that I have is yours. You can have whatever you want whenever you would like it because after all, you've given so richly to me. God, I don't want to forget that you're my provider. God, I don't want to forget that it's a privilege to be generous with what you've given, God, that you allow me the opportunity to be a family member of yours. And so, God, would you transform our hearts, our interactions to be one, not of scarcity, not of protection, not of no mine, but, God, one of abundance, of thankfulness, of going, God is going to provide richly for all that I have need for, and it's my responsibility to give back richly in whatever capacity that looks like. Heavenly Father, would you move us to be a people that are known for generosity, not just among each other, but among our community, among our friends, among our co-workers. And God, when people ask, why are you so generous, that we would be able to tell them this story, that we would be able to recognize all that you've given to us and that we just give out of that abundance. Heavenly Father, we trust you in this area. We know that you're trying to work something good out within us and we yield to that process for your sake. Pray all of these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All God's kids said.